Welcome to the Wet Pandas Podcast. Certainly going to be the worst episode ever. It'll be short, though. That's on the positive side. It'll be short. We're waiting on Sam to call in. Slammy B, I'm Wheezy. We are two-fifths of the Wet Bandits. This is a 90s discography podcast, and this is supposed to be the final episode of our Weezer discography. And Van Weezer has been delayed uh, due to the coronavirus, which, you know, I'm not going to complain about that. The coronavirus has brought far worse things into our lives. But we were really proud that we had planned this all out for the last episode to happen on the the day Van Weezer, or uh, three days after Van Weezer comes out, so we could listen to it, do the episode, and then release it so close to the release date of the album. But, you know, uh, certain things happened and that made it impossible to do. (laughs) The way we recorded where we had... Uh, so many of the later albums pre-recorded before we got to this point made it hard to uh, to sort of like warn the listener that this was going to happen. The Black album, uh, we had recorded that episode months ahead of time. <laughs> so that's why uh, this sort of came without warning, I guess. But Sam, if he uh, calls in here, uh, we're going to talk about a couple other things. I, I just sort of on a personal note want to wrap up the uh, the Weezer discography just by saying that, again, going through, and this is why we do this, at least on some level, going through, even a band that I is a top five favorite band for me, going through their discography in its entirety and really examining it from start to finish gives you, or gives me anyway, a different appreciation for the things they do. And that doesn't mean that I love everything Weezer does. It doesn't mean I love everything the Chili Peppers do or everything the Foo Fighters do or, uh, you know, the other bands we have covered or will cover. But what it does do is kind of, it's given me a different understanding and at least maybe a different perspective. The the biggest one for me, which maybe I'm completely up a creek on, but I went into this uh, investigation with the Weezer's Green album being pretty high on my list of uh, favorite Weezer albums. And it's still good. It's not as high as it used to be. But at the same time, I, I do appreciate it differently now. Even though it doesn't rank as high as some of the other ones that that we, we covered, I, I said it in the episode and I'll say it again, that what I like about the Green album is that it is it definitely has a theme. It has this like almost this oldies feel where every song kind of follows the same simple structure. All the guitar solos are uh, recreations of the verse melody over the chords of the song, which is just an odd concept. And Rivers is full of um, uh, Weezer albums, I should say, for the most part seem to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, seem to be... uh, 
concept albums. And uh, that's unique and, and neat. And maybe, you know, you could probably argue on some level that any band, uh, any band's complete album, is you could extrapolate some concept onto it. But Weezer seemed to be a little bit more uh, definite, a little more, uh, at least a little bit more explicit than some of the other ones we hear. So that's uh, really looking forward to Van Weezer. When that does eventually come out, I think I've seen June or, uh, or not June, uh, late July as a potential release date. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. We're not industry in- insiders, obviously. So who knows? <laughs> the listener probably knows a little more than we do. I'm uh, not as plugged in to the social media and whatnot. Uh, but another thing that we're kind of dealing with right now that that I kind of just want to say on the podcast for my own sort of use it as a venting tool is, is right now the wet bandits, uh, the band are now that Ohio, which is where we live now that Ohio has started to reopen some of their bars and restaurants. A lot of bars and restaurants are reaching out to us about playing again. We've, we've had dates scheduled out for months. Um, and, and all those are, no, no one has officially canceled anything except for um, some dates in June. Um, now that they're reopened, some, some venues have taken the initiative to say, look, you're off the hook for these June dates because we don't know exactly what we're doing yet, which I would argue is a measured and intelligent approach. Some of these other venues are reaching out to us saying they, they want us to play. Uh, we've got it, it's now May 18th. We had someone contact us about playing this Saturday, which would be two days after indoor uh, dining is allowed. Um, we potentially have a venue a week after that and another one a week after that. And uh, the Wet Bandits, for the most part, except for me and, and one other member, are, are on board with playing and, and I will, I will play. Sam wants to play. Um, and everybody has their reasons. Um, and I'm not saying this like behind their back or anything. The band, the band all knows this and Sam might come on and talk about it a little bit, but, uh, I, I, I really think that first of all, <laughs> I should note that the stay at home order released by, uh, the director of health in the state explicitly says bars are not to have entertainment. Certainly bands fall into that. So while that isn't law, certainly these, uh, these bars could be fine for that. If somebody wanted to tattle on them or whatever, which this will not qualify because not, not enough, uh, people in Ohio are listening to this and then reporting it to the department of health. But, um, what I think is, frustrating about it is is I do as a former small business owner like I do understand the need to get back to business as usual what I don't understand is is why it's a lot of these venues need to understand it's never going to be the same again um 
certainly not in 2020 are you going to have a party at your bar. And some some owners have even said that explicitly to me. He said, "Look, I understand we're not we've canceled our party bands. You know, they look at us as more of like a sit and watch band, which makes us sound kind of lame, but you know it is what it is. They at least they look at us as an entertaining concert maybe. And uh, that's smart. The, the problem is that we we've already seen in the first weekend that Ohio's been open that uh, the general public does not follow rules well. Um, I mean, it, it's like people don't remember what it was be, like to be in school. And maybe this partly comes from the fact that I have a teaching background also. But, I mean, rule number one as a substitute teacher is you got to come in and drive a hard line from the beginning because people will always push the rules. And so you have to come on strong at first and then ease up if you want and and bars allowing for max capacity and saying oh we'll tell people that they can't get up from their table and if they do we'll you know tell them nicely not to do that anymore and then if it goes any farther well we saw what happened in columbus and probably in other places around the country where you had packed patios the first weekend everything was open and you know, I, I do know the statistics, and I understand that, like, the likelihood that that you or a loved one is going to get infected with coronavirus is slim. But I, that, to me, having a band at a venue is a luxury and a risk that's unnecessary. Like, yeah, there's only five of us. The likelihood that we catch coronavirus or that one of us carries it and gives it to someone is very slim. What's five more people in this admittedly pretty large space, pretty separated from everyone else? Well, what I would say to that is, why does it matter? It's completely superfluous. Like, and I, I appreciate live music as much as anybody does, but it's not, <laughs> we shouldn't be extravagant with these openings. We should be as limited as possible and that includes i would i would think not having live musicians essentially yelling at you from whatever distance um so i don't think it's a good thing i don't want to play i'm going to if the if the band wants to play because i, I do think generally it's probably safe enough i just i just think it's unnecessary um there's in this day and age, there are, I can't think, I can think of one venue that we play that probably needs live music to stay alive. Um, and, and it's not one that's asking us to play in the next two weeks. I, I, don't, I don't think any of our other venues, they're going to struggle, but some of them are struggling already. Um, and I also think that the general public, if you have built up some trust and you've built up a little um, good good standing with your customers, they know that it's going to be a hard time and, and they'll want to help you out. I've seen that with some businesses around the suburb in Columbus where I live. So I don't, I don't think right now the first thing that these venues should be doing is going straight back to 
straight back to live music. So, but they're going to do what they're going to do, um, and 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 we're going to play because, well, we're going to play because the rest of the band wants to play, um, and and I'll and I'll do it too, but uh, I, I I'm on the the record now, I guess, as, as much as this podcast is part of the media record, that uh, I don't think it's a great idea. It looks like Sam may not be calling me back, so I'll just, w- what we always do with these is we, um, at the end of every discography, we go over our uh, our list, our discography of uh, the, our discography rankings, I should say. By the way, Another reason this will be the worst episode ever is because we didn't we, we recorded another episode. We recorded another episode and none of the audio was usable. So so I'm recording this about nine hours before we have to release it. So that means I am hard I'm not gonna edit this at all. This is this is gonna be just uh, straight from the microphone into the computer onto the host website. So uh, if you couldn't tell already, it's a little uh, low production value. But uh, we'll get into the episode rankings now. Um, First, I'm going to bring up, I promised uh, an Instagram follower, not promised, but I asked them, hey, I see you do your rankings for uh, Weezer albums, is is it cool if I I list them? Um, So just keeping it wheezy, there's underscores between each word there. Just keeping it wheezy um, did his rankings. I guess it could be a her. I don't really know. But uh, from from 1 to uh, 13, I believe, um, Pinkerton, Blue, Everything Will Be Alright in the End, White at number 4, Maladroit 5, Black, Red, Pacific Daydream, Hurley, Green Album, Make Believe, Teal Album, and Ratitude coming in last place, which, you know, hurts me a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, If you've been looking at our Instagram stories, we have been, uh, we've been ranking these with you as well, um, having you vote on our Instagram story uh, once or twice a week, depending on how many how many spots everything has moved up, but um, those have been tallied as well. So the, you listeners and your votes also ranked Pinkerton number one, blue number two, green number three, red number, I'm sorry, make-believe number four, red number five. So went in order of release from one through five. Then everything will be all right in the end, Ratitude, the White Album, Hurley, Death to False Metal, which just keeping it wheezy didn't have, but that's okay. It's not it's not a traditional studio release, but we put it in our discography. Um, Maladroit, which was then last for a long time in our in our rankings, sadly. Pacific Daydream, Teal Album, and the Black Album last. Um, so uh, I guess a little surprised. I'm more surprised that Teal was so low, but it did. That is, you know, the voters voted. Uh, and that's where it ended up. So I'm going to give you Sam's rankings first. Slammy B coming in, uh, not hot because he's not on the phone here to give you these himself, but he had Pinkerton number one, blue number two, 
Maladroit number three. He, he Sam likes that Maladroit's weird. Um, and I, I can't blame him for that. He loves slob. Uh, he had green album number four. Red number five. Everything will be all right in the end. Six. Ratitude seven. Make believe eight. Teal album nine. Uh, Sam was kind of a big fan of the Teal album. And, and you know, it is fun. But he had it a little higher than uh, any other voter we had in here. Uh, Death to False Metal, Hurley, Black Album, Pacific Daydream, and he had White last, which, honest to God, I think he just forgets which one the White Album is, because I didn't think he disliked it that much, but when I pressed him on it again, he said he, he, said he really didn't like it that much. I don't, I don't know how you could not like the White Album. And without further ado, my rankings are as follows. Pinkerton, number one. Blue album number two. So that's how everybody had it. Pinkerton one, blue number two. Everything will be all right in the end. Three, white album four. Death to false metal five. I think that one is so good. Such a little gem. Uh, the red album six. Green album seven. Ratitude eight. Hurley nine. Pacific Daydream ten. Uh, the black album eleven. Maladroit twelve, which kind of hurts me. Like, I went into this thinking I loved Maladroit, and, and what turned out is I really like a few songs on Maladroit. I don't love the whole album that much. Uh, Make Believe 13 and Teal gets last for me, which it kind of goes against what I normally say, which is when I do my rankings, I will put, I rank them based on how excited I am to put the CD in my player, like right then. And, and I'd rather listen to Teal than make-believe and probably more than Hurley sometimes and some of the others that I ranked above it but as a Weezer album I it, I just don't think it's a great piece of art it's more of I don't know it's it's filler it's all filler material to me so I, I'm I had to put to you last so those are our rankings um, Sam and I also discussed a little bit of last dance and I'm I think the best way to beat him in his argument is to just uh, trash it when he can't respond. So Sam, who admittedly does not watch a lot of basketball, he's immediately telling me, oh, "I watched Last Dance and Jordan's the goat, man." And I, it, and I'm, you know, I'm a LeBron fan, and uh, I'm not a Jordan hater, but I remember watching Jordan growing up, and. And not to say, whenever you say something like you disagree about Michael Jordan being the best player ever, it makes you sound like you're hating on him. And I just remember a lot of stat lines that were basically like Jordan goes 10 for 35 and scores 28 points. And people are like, wow, what a great game. Um, <laughs> Sam was basically saying, as when I pressed him on it, he said, Jordan's a better leader than LeBron. Okay fine. That's pretty tough to measure, especially when you're not in the locker room. But, uh, oh, look who's calling me now. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. You're on the Wet Bandits podcast. What? Yeah, you I heard. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, this is, this is motherfucking... Leonard Cheesy Bop. <laughs> I caught you by surprise. 
tell you vice presidents is playing me. What up? What up? I should have when you rang. I should have picked up and said two kings, but I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't quick enough. So I was about to take the opportunity without you able to argue with me to tell the people why LeBron's better than Jordan. <laughs> Because he's a better leader. Is that what you said? Not only that, dude, have you seen his shots, dude? Yeah, I know you love how Jordan looks when he shoots. Dude, that's like pure result of like finesse. He does. I will admit, Jordan has a lot of finesse. A lot of finesse. Can't argue with that. Like, how many players do you think in, like, 10 years will be like, dude, LeBron got me playing basketball? No. Um, hmm. It's a good question. Compared to Jordan. Compared to Jordan, it's probably not very close. I think Jordan wins that argument. But but I think that it's that's unfair for LeBron because Jordan came first, you know. So – Basketball basketball was already more popular than it had ever been after the 92 Olympics. You know, like if LeBron had been on that 92 team, maybe you could say the same about LeBron. I don't know. Yeah. But. But like, is Black Sabbath and then Metallica, like, the second summary is sometimes more popular if it's better. But in this case, it's not because <laughs> NJ's better than LeBron. <laughs> you know, that's – I get what you're saying, and that's a pretty that's a pretty good argument, but only because it's apples and oranges, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like Sabbath wasn't like – I don't care. You're wrong. <laughs> Gosh, you know we also talked a lot about how – I could not stand watching some of those Metallica live videos. You did say that. I was, like, surprisingly disappointed. Like, you ripped the piece out of my heart. Nah. I don't think you should be disappointed. Um, <clears throat> because, like a lot of things, when when I'm complaining about them, it rarely means, like, I don't like it. Okay, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't use the word rarely. It doesn't always mean I don't like it. Like, in a way, it kind of means that you like it. That's exactly right. Yeah. I just I want it to be just a little different. That's kind of what yeah. I was saying. Like, like I, I can't, I can't deny. Why well, I wouldn't try to deny liking Metallica. Metallica doesn't really fit with many of the bands I like, but I do like them. Like you know, I love Kirk Hammett. I just yeah. want. I just wanted. I don't know. Me, you, at one point, I I said something about how Lars was just blowing through like rhythm figures and stuff, and I just thought like his tempos were a little like. I didn't even say his tempos were lazy. I just I just thought he was he was rushing things. And at one point, you said something like, "Dude, that's just metal," and and maybe that's true. Like maybe that's what I. Maybe that's just what's not in my blood. Is like the, the sort of like, 
I don't know if it's angst or, or if it's energy or if it's, you know, but maybe that's just what I, what I don't have is like whatever gene it takes to just, um, kind of like, yeah, like I was going to say, let it all hang out, you know? Really? Yeah. I mean, so they're like, just kind of, let's get through a kind of mentality, in my opinion. Yeah. Dude, uh, yeah. I I told you I had to help build a shed the next day. And I was, I was singing My Friend of Misery to myself the whole day. Really? It was really, it was a real, it was a real earworm. I couldn't get it out of my head. I know. <laughs> you insisted the one. Yep. That, that's the part that I kept repeating over and over. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Where is it? I think so. Song, song's rad. Song's really good. How was uh, band practice tonight? It was good, man. Yeah. Do you guys have a gig coming up? Dude, I think Fenders, man, this Saturday. We're talking about Sam's side project. Yeah, Josh asked me about that, but it's Corinne's birthday this week. And I'm sure we're going to do something. We, we didn't have anything planned, but I'm sure we're going to do something like with my extended family this weekend. So I couldn't, oh, yeah. I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I probably could have asked, but with that much, with that short of notice, I figured it was better just to say no. Um, what is it? What are they going to do? I did talk a little bit before you called in about playing gigs as Ohio opens back up, but like, what is, do you know if Fenders is doing anything to like limit their numbers or what? Dude, as a drummer, I don't know what is going on. I know nobody tells you anything, huh? <laughs> no, they don't. They just like, shows up, man. And then well, I get the feeling from their Facebook page, I might have to bleep out Fenders actually, <laughs> but I get the feeling from their Facebook page that like, they're not doing anything. You know, um, I mean, they, they have their, they have a floor plan mapped out and all that, but it looks exactly the same as it always does. Um, and that place is never like packed to the gills anyway. Um, but, but I don't know, man. I mean, you saw the pictures of, uh, of, uh, standard hall this weekend, you know, yeah. like the, the problem isn't, and this is exactly what I was saying about lazy, right? Like the problem isn't opening. The problem is you can't trust people to do what they're supposed to do, you know? So like, so like the bar owners might have the best intentions in the world, but they have to realize that people, whatever rules you have to put in place, you have to overdo it because people are going to push the boundaries of whatever rules you set in place. So if you don't want people if you don't want people like walking from seat to seat, then you have to tell them 
if you're in the bar, you have to wear a mask or what? I don't know what the next level up is from like, like you can't wander around, but like they have to figure out what that is. And then people will just like walk around a little bit, you know, like, no, no, you have to overdo it. Yeah. Um, so like, I mean, people, you know, it's pretty controversial about like what the government's doing, but like, but you kind of have to overdo it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's just natural. One, like, people go out and party, um, it's just like, What's hard too is like a lot of these businesses that we work with are people who, you know, might have built this. Like, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word earned because it implies that other people didn't earn their bar. But like, uh, I think we all like Chris from Park Street Tavern. Like, he's Chris is not like old money rich guy whose dad gave him Park Street Tavern. You know, he decided he wanted to have a bar and like he probably puts a lot of work into that and like this sucks for him. But and and his and Park Street Tavern is like even though it's a good place for a party, like that's a music bar. Like through and through that is a music bar. And and the people that are going to ruin it for him are meat markets like Standard Hall that have a bunch of college bros going there to party. You know, uh, I don't know if you read the article about the, from the owner from standard hall, who is just like, just a complete ass. (laughs) Like he said, he was quoted in the paper saying like, you know, uh, we're the number one Uber destination in Ohio. Like, so, so people come here to party. I don't know why the government's giving me a hard time. Like, we put these things in place and it wasn't that bad. I mean, you, you could see the pictures like they were, what they weren't doctored. Like it was shoulder to shoulder in there. Um, but I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. I hope they don't ruin it for everyone else. Yeah. That's the thing is like, they don't realize like it can easily be ruined. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be unprecedented. I mean, I really don't think that the governor wants to, like, shut things down again. But, like, some – it's happened before, you know. Things get bad again. They well, start shutting down. Like, well, the fact is, like, I will shut you down, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Park Street Cantina right next to uh, – right next to Tavern, they got shut down. Like they, oh, really? yeah, they went on Saturday and there was like a party there and uh, health health inspector just shut them down. Hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. So anyway, you know what I didn't do yet? Uh, I didn't I didn't announce our next discography yet, which we're gonna have to. Yeah. What's that? Announced. All right. So the next discography coming at you next week will be covering Bleach from Nirvana as we go through their discography. Sam, you and I have not really talked at all. Well, maybe a little bit, but we haven't talked much about what is going to be in the discography. Like 
we've done Nevermind before, but are we going to do another episode on it? Or do we do like the combo bleach and Nevermind? I thought about the combo. I thought about maybe doing a combo. Um, I, I also think it wouldn't hurt to maybe look at Nevermind as its own episode, maybe from like a different angle. Um, sort of maybe we just talk about, um, well, probably could hash this out off mic, but, but, um, you know, kind of listen to what we did before was more in the context of like, we were calling it the best sophomore album of the nineties. Um, and while we did cover it song to song, maybe we could, uh, we could talk about Butch Vig's influence on it as, as it compared to Bleach. And as it compared to In Utero afterwards. Um, yeah, it could be like the top ten album of all time. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yep. Um, and then I think we agree we're probably going to do Incesticide, right? Yeah, I would say so. Yep. In Utero, obviously, because it's a traditional studio album. And I think we said before we were going to do Unplugged. I do too, because it's kind of like the gold standard for unplugged albums and basically like their last major, uh, I don't want to say their last like major release, but, uh, but it was, it was like the last cultural footprint they left, I guess I'd say. Um, and then, you know, I guess you could, we could consider like from the Muddy Banks, uh, of the Vishka. <laughs> um, do you have that one? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Willis. Oh, it's a live. It's the a live uh, electric album. So what I heard about that? What? I didn't say that. That's crazy. Yeah, what what I had heard was that unplugged and from the muddy banks were supposed to be released like together, kind of. Um, Sort of like in this disc, in the Weezer discography, how like it was Hurley and Death to False Metal. Actually, a better example is the Teal album and the Black album kind of came out like within a month or a couple weeks of each other. I think that Unplugged and Muddy Banks were supposed to come out like this is live acoustic and this is live electric. And they were supposed to come out closer together. And then Kurt Cobain killed himself after Unplugged came out. And uh, and that somehow delayed the Muddy Banks album, but, uh, but yeah, so we can discuss that at a later time. With that, we could also do like Live at the Paramount and Live at Reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually... We talk about all of the live performances. Yeah, that's true. Maybe we'll do that, but we can decide that later. Um, well, man, I think that's all we have. Um, if for no other reason, then it's getting late and I got to post this tonight. So, <laughs> But thanks for calling me. What did you have for dinner? What did I have for... I had, Dude, this is pathetic. So uh, I had rice and beans mixed together with spicy mayonnaise mixed in. That's like a bachelor's meal. It actually was pretty good. Um, yeah, it was pretty good for what it was. We hit, Corinne made these, uh, stuffed peppers last night, which were excellent. 
but we made like Spanish rice in the rice cooker. So it's like yellow, you know, a little turmeric. And I had, that was the leftover rice and it's good. It was good. But yeah, that was what I had for dinner. What'd you have? So today I had, um, I just had the same thing for lunch and thing for dinner. I just made this like turkey sandwich with bacon, turkey, and mayonnaise. Dude, dude, that sounds good as hell. Seriously. It is good. It's like my, one of my favorite things now. Because you know what we were saying, mayonnaise, underrated condiment. It is. Yeah. Yeah, mayonnaise is good as hell. Uh, that made me think of something else. Um, I don't know why it made me think of this, but I think what I want to do when we play our next gig is wear a welding mask. <laughs> Not so much Are to... Are you a welder? No, no, but I think... Uh, I think it might be kind of like, I don't, I, it's probably just completely stupid, but I was trying to think of like a, a way to sort of like ease the COVID-19 tension in the room. And I think the best way to do that is to go completely over the top and just be, yeah, yes. I also, th- I also just kind of think it would look cool. <laughs> I'll probably be sweating my ass off, but um, even if I that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what my alter ego would be, but it is like it would be like a superhero uniform, which I yeah. think is cool. And you like bring it out on occasion. Yeah, it might be a genius idea there. It could. I know. I know. That's why. That's why I think I'm gonna run with it. So. We'll see. Very exciting. You have to name this character. Uh, yeah, yeah. I these are things I should have prepared before I came on. They could just be like something like a common name. A common name like like Roy. Dude, perfect. <laughs> and then make sure the last thing's like another first name. <laughs> Todd. Like Ricky Bobby. Yeah. Roy Todd. I think I think he's born. Roy Todd. I'm just a baby. Yeah, you're right. And put him on our website. Yeah, we should make like a Todd. Such a good idea. Roy Todd and the Adventures of Welding. Yeah. Welder by day, shredding guitar player by night. No one knows if he actually has a face behind that mask. Like it melted off and that's why he has to wear a welding mask now. So sad. Dude, yeah. It's like he melted. He melted his face in a welding accident and now he melts people's faces with guitar licks. Yeah. <laughs> that motherfucker. <laughs> oh uh, man. Yeah. Word. Dude, what if like your neck could turn it could be like a welding thing and then it's like sparkling at the end? <sighs> Sweet. Dude, I wanted to make I've probably said this is like the most juvenile thing 
but I don't know. Surely someone has thought of this, but I, when we were in high school, I told uh, my other band mates that I just, we wanted to put like a tube up through the like truss rod through the neck of a guitar, you know, with like a little squeeze yeah. bulb at the end and shape your guitar like a penis so that you could be playing like some whaling guitar solo and then like squeeze the bulb at the back and like some shit would shoot out the top, the headstock of your penis guitar. Like, obviously that's a genius, that's a genius joke. Why has no one done that? Why has it been Yeah, yeah, I think I need to tweet at them and ask, like, why haven't you done this? And I could draw like a prototype. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My board made this for us. Yeah. You're backstage. Like, what's your rig? <laughs> and then they'd probably like retweet with a picture of like some guitar they definitely have used that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Sounds like you have some work to do. <laughs> I better get to it. Yeah. Okay, man. I'm going to get going so I can get this posted. I Wait, what else? I got a story. What else do you say? You you say bye and then you say what? Yeah. Yeah, boys go into the see ya. Where they sold their soul. I got a story. Boys go into the liquor store where they sold their souls. Hey, yeah. Oh, wah, wah, I got a story. Boys go into the liquor store where they sold their